This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, celebrity psychic medium Sloane Bella opens up about the recent death of her son. But I would say that Keith's death has given me the freedom to see the world differently. So I'm very grateful for that. I now have a different kind of relationship with my son. I have a relationship on the other side. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Sloan Bella has been with me numerous times on this podcast and on my weekly radio program and on Coast to Coast AM. Sloan says she was born with psychic medium abilities, and by the age of four, she learned to articulate nightly visits by otherworldly beings and the spirits of those people who had crossed over. These communications went on throughout her childhood. This was how she began to develop her ability to act as a conduit and to speak the different frequencies that exist around us. Sloan was introduced to astrology from a cousin in England, and by age seven, her lifelong passion for astrology began. By 17, Sloan was established as a professional psychic medium while deeply entrenched in the street. While reading for everyone from Gregory Hines to Don Adams as well as a large clientele which included street kids and runaways, teachers, musicians, businessmen, act congressmen, housewives, athletes, and anyone who needed help. Sloan's abilities at one point were even sought after by the head of a major crime family. Sloan was always connected to the other side, and one of the most unusual connections was her mediumship communication with the late Jimi Hendrix, who guided her and aided her work on the streets of Toronto and Hollywood as a street psychic with intuitive guidance to runaway and sexually exploited children. Sloan has been very outspoken about satanic cults operating in Hollywood and about child sex trafficking. Sloan Bella, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Now, some of my listeners may not be aware, but you lost your your young son, Keith, this past summer. Yes. 
how, 29th, yes. How are, how are you managing? Well, that's a good question. I'm completely numb, so I can talk about it all day long. Um, my other son, his older brother, Jason, they're three and a half years apart. Um, Jace called me. I finished work, and he called me that, that I was over at their house because I moved out of my house um, in September. So my boys were with their father. Um, and I have my own place after, well, not that it matters, but after 30 years of marriage. So I had moved out and I just needed peace from three adult men in the house, if you get what I'm saying. Yes. Um, because they're too rambunctious and they're too grown up and I can't deal with it. So, and I'm a girl. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to get out. Um, but I was down there that morning um, because John had been sick. So I was picking up medicine. I had to run home to go to work. I looked for Casey in his room, but he was already out at the gym or um, wherever he was that morning, working out. Anyhow, um, I did not know he had a motorbike because they found it funny to hide things from me, which is also part of the reason I left. And it wasn't until about three weeks before he passed that I noticed there were two bikes in the driveway. My other son has a bike, different color, but I hadn't seen that bike, so I thought he bought this bike, right? Because that kid does that. So anyhow, long story short, I felt nothing that morning. No warning, just kind of neutral like I had no psychic warning no premonition no nothing because people ask that two weeks before that though um, I had tested my girlfriend on a group test and said who who is going to help me steal these when I found out Keith had a bike I said who's going to help me steal these bikes because I feel like I'm going to bury one of my sons before September that's exactly what I said on the text I have six friends on a group text one of my friends said I have a garage I don't use we just need a pickup truck so um, I was looking for somebody with a pickup truck who would do it kind of just under the table, go steal the bikes out of the driveway, right? Hook yes. them up when they were sleeping. And that's, that's true. So I must have known, but not known, if that makes sense. Um, it was half joke, half not. Anyway, long story short, uh, I went to work at 11 at my house. And about 1.40, I finished with clients, probably 1.30, called John, said, should I bring you some soup? No, come, come by later. Okay, how's Keith, how's Jason? I don't know. They're not here. I think they're at the gym, wherever. And um, five seconds later, Jason called me. He never calls me. All he said to me is, Mom, Keith hit the, road, hit the floor. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Somewhere in Chatsworth. I said, why is he in Chatsworth? Getting an oil change for the bike at the bike shop. I had no knowledge of this. So I said, Chatsworth, he said Chatsworth and DeSoto. Anybody in the San Fernando Valley knows that that's down the 118. And it's kind of like at the far end of the valley. It's right. very far end. Like, you know, um, there's beautiful climbing rocks there and everything and mountain lions cross the freeways and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Like, it's real beautiful. And um, rocky desert train. Anyway, I just got on the 118 fray- freeway and started driving. Um, then some one of Keith's friends called me and said... He's in Chatsworth and DeSoto, and I couldn't in my brain figure a hospital, so I called the police. No one called me, and they kept saying, ma'am, we can't, you know, we don't know that you're his mother, and I'm like, oh, would you? I'm going to swear, but anyway, I was going to swear at them, and I said, just tell me what hospital, and they basically said, we'll have someone call you. No one did, so the friend called back, and I said, where is my son, and did you kill my son? Because I thought the two of them were riding bikes. Anyway, he hung up on me because he wasn't going to tell me he was dead. He told me that later and texted me a map. So I went straight there. And as I was going there, I was talking to two of my girlfriends um, on the speakerphone saying, I think 
teeth is dead. And as I said it, I kid you not, the blood drained out of my hands, all the way up my arms, all the way to my brain. I felt like Novocaine. That's the only way I can describe it to you. I literally felt like I had Novocaine in my body. Like how you feel, like you could could punch you in the face and you wouldn't feel it. You would feel it later, but you wouldn't feel it at the time. So I was so, so traumatized when I pulled up. I saw the tape. I pulled up under the rope. I went running for his body, which was under the typical coroner's thing and, and blanket. And the cop stopped me. Um, I, my friend who was on, the one friend remained on the phone with me, who is one of my best psychic friends, Deanna, and friends for 20 years. Um, she just can't get the thought of my voice screaming because apparently I was screaming. I can recall screaming, but, but not, do you know what I mean? I didn't know I was screaming, but I was screaming because she, I had the earphones in my ears and she could hear me because I hadn't hung up. I threw the phone and went running out the door and they wouldn't let me near the body. And weirdly... I kept looking at him. I kept looking around. I could see nothing, but I could see his little feet and his dirty little his socks. That kid would go outside in his socks, put them in his shoes, and come in, and he was still doing this at 24. And I was obsessed with looking at his socks. And then it occurred to me, where are his shoes? That was driving me crazy. So I sat and focused on where those bloody shoes were. And then Jason pulled up and behind me, um, and Kenna, and um, not the baby, not Jason's daughter, but... They pulled up behind me. Kenna collapsed, the girlfriend. Um, she couldn't stop sobbing. Jason looked like he got punched in the gut. He went running for the body like I did, and they stopped him. And he just bent over with his hands over his head like someone kicked him in the stomach. And he just kept with his hands doing circles like a wild animal. Um, the cop came over to both Jason and I, uh, the officer, the, the, whoever we were talking to, um, the first guy that we spoke with, and he said, you know, your son was doing 130. Um, people on a Harley Davidson were riding behind him. He either said two or three. He made eye contact with him, and I'm like, you're ridiculous. The bike shop is a mile away. He was not doing 130. Um, his friend was behind him in a car but got stopped at the light, so did not see the accident because Keith and them drove Keith's car out there. George took the wheel back and tried to get around the accident until he saw the bike on the ground. Okay. Oh, dear. He, he, yeah, he didn't know it was Keith. He thought it was, he didn't know what it was. He just saw debris. And then when he saw Keith, um, yeah, he, you can see Keith's car parked in front of the body and George went over. So we're guesstimating it's 30 to 60 seconds after Keith hit the ground. Guesstimating. Okay. Because I mean, it couldn't have been that far behind anyway. Um, George was completely traumatized and did not have my number and did not have Jason. So he called the third person, which is the one that Jason and I spoke to, that, that wouldn't tell me. But he had driven out there um, first to make sure that Keith was actually dead before he sent me that. You know what I mean? Yes. Keith wanted to make sure he wasn't, like, saying something out of turn or whatever, which he didn't tell me. He couldn't tell me, he said. He just hung up. He's like, I didn't want to tell you. I'm not going to be the one to tell you that. Um, and it made me want to punch him in the face, truthfully. <laughs> Um, I apologized to him after because he was traumatized too, obviously. But um, so the officer said that, and right there, Jason and I looked at him and said, "Bullshit." <laughs> and we said, "We said bullshit." That did, that's what Keith was doing. Um, he said, "Oh yes, the biker guy." We call him biker guy because he was riding a Harley, and that's how he referred to him. Um, and I said, "I said no, Keith was not doing 130, okay, um, at all. He was not doing a wheelie." In any sense of the word, that's ridiculous, right? And uh, we wouldn't buy it, me and Jason. We just didn't sit right. 
And then Jason's like, well, maybe. I mean, because when you saw what happened and what he hit, you're like, what happened, right? Like, it's a straight, flat, three-lane road in Los Angeles. It's not a freeway. It's a road where houses are. And it's a um, like three lanes, and it's perfectly straight. So it would be like if you and I were driving in my car, and I ended up over three lanes of the freeway. And, they, and so the witness, biker guy, had said Keith was riding on lane number three, which it took me a while to understand this, the lane closest to people's driveways. Right. When Keith's dad had told him, no, never ride in that lane, lane number one, closest to oncoming traffic, because you have more time to react. Keith had just finished his second safety class. He had just gotten his motorcycle license. He'd been riding about five years, but the license, and it was on delay for several months because in Los Angeles, you can't go in to take the picture and blah, blah, blah. But he had the certificate to go get it, right? But right, right. He was on a back back wait list. So technically, he didn't have a license, but he passed all the requirements. Um, and of course, they all ride in our area on dirt bikes since they're three and five and all the kids do. So um, that's not, you don't need a license to dirt bike ride, etc. So when, whatever. Anyway, um, so I went home that night. Uh, I was there for four hours till the coroner got there looking at my son. It was 107 degrees out there. I was looking at him on the cement just thinking to myself, I want to smash all these people and pick my kid up and I'm taking the body. Um, a little sneaky trick they played in Los Angeles, let me tell you. Um, the officer said, we're going to tow the bike to our tow company. And meanwhile, my son's dead on the ground. I never thought to question, are you holding the bike for evidence or can I tow it to my house? Because Jason and Keith have AAA bike or tow insurance, right? Right. So it wouldn't cost us anything. Meanwhile, they towed it to their thing, and at the end of the day, that was an extra $500 when it didn't need to be that. Oh, dear. Okay? Did, <laughs> and, do yeah. we, did, what, did, he, did Keith hit uh, an object in the road? What happened? Oh, he hit, well, no, here's what happened. I came to find out. So within 16 hours, I grabbed my girlfriend that was on the phone with me, and I started going door to door asking witnesses. They never told me about Melody. Melody was a witness that was a first responder. She did CPR on Keith along with her neighbor. She was a nursing student. Her neighbor was a nurse. She heard the ground. She went out. So she knows the witnesses. She told me what she observed. They never mentioned her to me. I had to go find her myself. I found 16 different witnesses myself within 24 hours of my son's death without crying on their doorstep or even acting insane. I found them. I took their sentences. I got their phone numbers because I knew something wasn't right. So what happened is, from what I can tell, I have camera footage, two different camera footages. Psychically, we all got that there was a white van involved. That's all we got. That's all we could see is a white blur by Keith. That, you know, and I couldn't get much because I was so dead um, inside. So my friends, his relatives who are psychic, there was like a lot of people in our family that are psychic. So what happened is he was fine going through the intersection, which is approximately 180 feet from where he hit the mailbox. Um, so it's approximately that um you know, that uh, distance, right? So I can see him going through the intersection. It's a school crosswalk. He's perfectly fine. He's in lane number one, the lane he's supposed to be in. The witness says, no, he's riding at 50 miles an hour down lane number three. So I know that somebody's mistaken here or looked up and saw something, but it's not the case. So he goes through the intersection. A car pulls out into lane number one. Keith makes a safe lane change past that car into lane number two from what I observed on the film, okay? It's somebody's, like, house roof film. That's all I can tell you. And 
then I see him and he goes out of camera range. Well, he's on the bike and he is not in lane number three. So but that 180 feet, somehow he went through another lane of traffic up five feet onto somebody's front lawn, which is a hill, and into a mailbox, which is two doors down from the Harley Davidson house. And then he gets airborne somehow and hits a telephone pole another, we'll say, 100 feet down the road as the bike continues to go hits the pole and then hits another pole and hits the ground outside of a Buddhist monastery. That's really what happened. So the monks were around him praying at the time of his death. People stopped to pray. They've all come forward and like told me they formed a circle around him, which is really actually very lovely for my little boy's soul. They actually got out of their cars and stopped and did that. Um, So when we found Keith, the mailbox, I believe is what killed him because his femoral artery was cut. We didn't, they didn't know that the first responders didn't know that because they weren't, you know, looking for that. They were just trying to get him, his breath going. He was breathing, but he, the accident happened at one Oh six, according to witnesses from what we can tell, um, probably started before that, but, and he was dead by one sixteen. So, yeah, so he did that, but there's a lot of information. I've gotten a lot of witnesses coming forward since that describe different things and I'm able to put together. So I'm working with lawyers and private investigators right now. Did anyone else see a white van that you saw or you not you, but Uh, uh, yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Melody. I I forget this. Melody, the first responder, she lives across the street from the Buddhist monastery. She came out. um, She was doing chest compressions. Her neighbor pulled up just coming home from the hospital, ran out the door, ran over to help her. Um, her brother, Melody's brother, was there. Anyway, Melody looked up, and a Hispanic man got out of a, out of a either Orkin Pest Control or Terminex or a bug truck, okay, like a work truck with a bug on the side, some pest control truck, and in broken English said to Melody, and I got her statement right after. The police did not tell me this. They didn't bother to take her statement. She said, he said, um, I'm sorry, I didn't see him. And when Keith passed, she looked up for the truck, and it was gone. Because she was focused on Keith, which I would expect her to be. So, she, some, you know. so someone who is driving uh, a pest control truck might control w- truck. Uh, mm-hmm. was perhaps responsible for Keith. Well, maybe they didn't see Keith. Maybe Keith had to move out of the first car into lane number two and didn't see them, or they were doing a U-turn. Or Now, here's the interesting thing. Somebody shot a video driving up to the accident. I can hear George's voice on the video. So it's probably 30 seconds after Keith hit the ground. I'm, I'm gauging it. The timestamp is 108. This guy is driving south. Keith was going north. So he pulls up, and you can see Keith's motorcycle, then the body, then the people. And I can hear George in the background screaming. And then I see a white van pass me in the camera frame, and it's going north. It's coming around Keith's body and going north. So I assume that's the white van, just, you know, not thinking about timing, nothing. So I had gone around the neighborhood probably three days after to the streets behind, tall houses with cameras that I could see or thought they might. I talked to everybody. I met this woman. Her name was Rebecca. And she was doing something with the Lakers game on camera, which was funny. She bought those fake seats. And she couldn't talk to me. And she said, oh, your son's that kid out there. Okay. And she said, yes, I'll call you back. So I just left my number never expecting anything two weeks later she gives me some ring doorbell footage the police looked at it they never took it she gave it to me it distinctly shows the first van one van parked on the sideway on the sidewalk half over the curb and half on the street like it ran up on the curb 
in front of Keith's body, and then that second van going by. So I think it's the first van. I would have never known there were two vans. So everybody's looking for these vans or these these people as witnesses. Maybe they just saw it and pulled over in a hurry, right? Didn't know. Right, right. I don't know. Um, so we're doing it. We have um, the police investigated for three months. On that day, there was a car driving directly behind Keith, but he missed what happened. He saw him go through the intersection, make the lane change safely, and then look down in his car. He'd just come from the weed shop. That's what he told me. Um, it's legal in L.A. Anyway, he just yes. come from the weed shop, so he was <laughs> looking down for something. And he said suddenly Keith was in a mailbox, and he didn't know what happened. Um, they were at the stoplight prior, and he was behind him, and he saw the pest control truck to his right but did not see any of that. The police told him on the day one they never took his statement at the scene, or the paramedics didn't. He called in later that night. Um, he did not contact me for a month and a half. And when he did, he said they told me it was a single vehicle accident from that day, and they probably wouldn't need his information. And they never took Melody's statement. Um, I got the case reopened. A nice officer looked into everything, but made the same conclusion at the end of the day. And there's no way... Keith just ran. I saw him go through the intersection on the bike. When you see that tape, you need to explain to me why he went over another lane of traffic and up five feet of an embankment into a mailbox. I need to understand that. Right. And again, and it, Melody, it, the, the first responder witness who yes. rushed to Keith's side to perform chest compressions, yeah. she was yeah. the one who told you that the driver of the yeah. pest control truck apologized and said, I didn't see him. Yes, that's the words that she said. Right. Yeah, she looked up. And I found that out, and Deanna was my witness, because we pulled into her day. She has a daycare. We pulled into her daycare, and Deanna listened to the conversation, wrote down what she said, because I was crazy at the time. I was numb, and I just was, I just needed information. So that's all I was focused on is, like, what happened to my son? I didn't care. And so Deanna was there as my backup witness. So I, there's two of us that heard that, so we're not crazy, in other words, and I'm not grief-stricken, and I'm not insane. Um, so, you know, we heard that, and we did... Um, we did that, and there were other people that described the pest control truck with a ladder on the top and a bug picture on the side. And so there are two different pest control trucks with companies within a two-mile radius that would go through DeSoto Avenue on their client, on their route. You know, they'd have to um, because they, they cover that area. So that's a, a, a thoroughfare. Like, there's tons of homes, right? So, um, yeah, so we did that, and other people have come forward with little bits of information. Um, I found a witness this weekend who also described the white truck and described the female. Now, it's interesting. The female, sorry, the female being Melody. No, describes no. Melody and a female also in the white oh, truck. Oh, in the right, so white truck. Yeah, standing beside it, leading on it, calling 911 on that day. I just found this witness on Sunday. Um my private eye found her post on Citizens app. There were tons of people. It was posted. There's witnesses. So we put up a $5,000 reward. And I, from what I understand, um, a lot of my psychic friends got the female connected to the white truck, which is weird. And then suddenly I'm hearing this information almost four months later because you can't go with psychic information. You have to back it up with actual information. Right, so, right. you know, um, now I have that. And so it's just interesting. It's a whole puzzle for me, the whole puzzle. But, but I also know, which this is a weird thing, the bike shop where Keith got his 600-mile checkup or whatever they call it over there to, to get free tires at 5,000 miles, we told him his brother Jason was adamant. Jason's really, really psychic. Um, you know, once our house got 
robbed, and Jason was the one that said, we're getting robbed, we're getting robbed, before it happened. <laughs> and he <laughs> took all his stuff out of the house, and he was the only one that was right. Like, you know, he out psychics me, put it that way. He kept, he begged Keith that week, do not take your bike there. I don't like them. I don't have a good feeling about it. Like, I don't know if he was picking up on the shop, the area, whatever. He had bought his bike there and hated the place. Hated them. And it's a reputable shop, and Jason just would never go back there. Never, okay? When he takes his bikes to get fixed elsewhere. But the records from the police show that the bike shop did an oil change. Well, that's not true. They, they fixed the brake lever and the clutch lever, and somehow the records are not reflecting that. So, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't they know fixed the, the brake lever and the clutch lever, not the yeah, oil. Yeah, they, they, no, they did the oil as well, but ah. their only record is oil. Keith's father drove him out there three days before. It doesn't take three days to change oil, okay? Like, that's bullshit. Um, an oil chain's never taken that long. Keith had ordered on Amazon new shifter paddle things for the bike. Um, they're shorter, so they don't get caught on things, um, and they probably do go faster, that kind of thing. And um, they put those on because he took the boxes out there. We have the receipts, and he texted his friends, I just got my shifter paddle changes. They have to disconnect the brake and disconnect the clutch. Now, unless I was snooping through his stuff, I grabbed his folder of paperwork the day after. Um, you know, I would never know this. And then I started texting his friends, can you tell me? And then I found the, the purchase record. But it says oil change, but they gave him three days to get the bike back in an oil change. What do you think, Sloan? Was there something nefarious going on here? What? Well, on do you, are you aware of the website Crazy Days and Nights? No. Have you heard of that? No. Oh, it's a website, crazydaysandnights.net, where they put blind items up there about celebrities, politicians, and their stupidity. Like, you know, this one was caught sleeping with a, a B-list actress, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You have to guess. Well, on September 1st of this year, I was the blind item. Keith was the blind item. So there are thought, trains of thought that maybe because of my big fat mouth, something happened. But what people don't know is Keith was speaking the same kind of information as well. He was like his mother in that way. He spoke about the pedophilia. He spoke about the child trafficking. And keep in mind, he grew up with me. He had this information in his head, and he told Everybody, he didn't do it publicly per se, but this is what he talked about and spoke about and was aware about as well. He was aware of these things. However, when I asked my guides, I, I couldn't, Keith was there, right? Because he, he, in my house where I'm just me by myself, things were popping off the walls and things were being banged on the counters. So I knew Keith was there. I just couldn't see him the way I'm used to seeing other people's relatives. Um, I, he's, He's there. I can feel him. I had a sense of peace with him in the car with me after he died, which was insanity because I was completely shocked. But um, I basically realized, I did not realize this. My cousin, Stephanie, had called me two days after, and we spoke about it. She dreamt of the white van. She's a Reiki master girl in the family. And she said to me, when Keith was six months old, this is right around the time before his older brother passed away, she said to me, you told me Keith was going to pass away early. And I had forgotten everything that I said, but I kind of believe it was Keith's time. Now, what happened around his time of death is, I think, the point of what I'm supposed to be looking at, because I think it leads to other pathways, if that makes sense. You think that he may have been murdered because of what he talked about, what you talked about with regards to organized child sex trafficking uh, in, in Hollywood? Something, something 
Yes, I don't know in Hollywood. It could just be like people in the neighborhood too. I don't necessarily think they have to be quote Hollywood. It's whoever's involved. You know, a, a group of people. Well, no, they, they. What I think happened is I think he was going to exit the world. This is kind of what my guides have told me. It was his time. He took a doorway out, but in taking that doorway out, okay, in taking that doorway out, his full contract was done. In taking that doorway out, he was bringing information forward by the way that he died that would open and shed light onto other people's circumstances in that environment. So there's other things I feel are going on behind the scenes. Could you with ex- his death. That, can you explain well, I, that? I, I, I would say that there's other people in, in the... Hmm, other people connected to that that are involved in those things. And he shone the light on it by dying the way that he did and having his mother, who he knows who I am, he knows I'm not just going to believe he was going 130 down the road. Like the bike, I had the bike inspected after I got it out of the shop by a motorcycle racing certified mechanic. And he was going no more than 60 miles an hour. Okay. So he's probably going eight. We've determined eight miles over the speed limit, which a bike will do to get ahead of traffic. More of my conversation with psychic medium Sloan Bella when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. That time of the week to welcome Colleen Forgas, the manager of our Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary and a nutritional consultant. Hey, Colleen, how are you? Hey, Richard, I'm great. How about you? Terrific, thank you. You know, this time of year, we're taking vitamins and zinc and so many different things. Isn't there something that we can take that has everything all in one? Yes, gosh, if there's something we've learned over the past month, it's the importance of taking care of our immune system. There's a product called Immune Maintenance, which is something you take every day, and it combines vitamin C, vitamin D3, and zinc, as well as a few other botanicals so that we can constantly be supporting our immune system. And you take that daily? We take it daily. And the other thing I like about it, Richard, just to mention, it's a great price. The retail price is $14.50, and all of our subscribers get 10% off of retail prices every time they shop. Fantastic. Plus, they get free delivery on all orders over $50. Yes. Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the full script dispensary button. Colleen, we'll talk again next week. Thanks. Thanks, Richard. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Theoretical physicists say that there is as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, Here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Sloan Bella, Hollywood psychic medium, is here, back on the podcast for the first time since the death of her young son, Keith, this past summer. How is it the police bungled this so badly, and why did they rely on this one Harley Davidson uh, witness who uh, his his testimony is completely at variance with all the other witnesses that you found. Exactly. I mean, either he witnessed only a portion of the accident, like he witnessed, you know, like a square of it, like he looked up and saw Keith by his driveway. He said he could have high-fived my son. Um, and I'm like, well, why didn't you then? 
I mean, he's got 16 hours after my kid's bed, he's saying this to me. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm completely detached thinking, you know, who says this to a grieving? I mean, maybe he's just not socially. Um, right, right. You know, publicly, socially might be awkward. I, I could see that, too. Um, but he may have just looked up in his driveway and seen Keith go by his driveway, but not anything else. But he tried to say he heard the bike running. He saw it coming down the street. I saw it on the camera coming through the intersection 180 feet from his house or 150 feet, and Keith was in no such thing as the third lane. So he's lying right there. The report that he told me is different than the report that he told the police, because I finally got the police report two Thursdays ago, and he says that he told me he saw my son heading for the mailbox, and he turned around. This is a grown man that says he turned around. And by the way, he's CPR certified because he owns a drug rehab. That's another interesting aspect. He's CPR certified because he has to be. He has drug uh, rehab people in there. So they're going to OD and do stupid stuff in there too, right? Yes. Um, it's, a, it's a recovery home. So, you know, not everybody is at the same stage. So you have to know your CPR and you have to be aware. I, I had to when I worked at, you know, the different shelters I worked at in Los Angeles. I had to be CPR trained too. So I can render aid. Instead, he told me he turned his back. I didn't know that at the time. But he said he turned his back. He heard the crash. He ran up to Keith. He told the police he was fixing his bike. He did tell me that, too. At the end of his driveway, um, with his butt to the road, and he heard Keith's bike, and then he told the police he ran up his long driveway to get a cell phone that he suddenly realized was in his pocket, and then he ran back to help Keith. So there's a discrepancy there. Now, maybe he did both of those things. I don't know. But whatever it is, he probably only saw a fraction. Okay, like, just think of checkerboards and seeing a square. That's how I took it. If I'm to believe him, and I, I'm not going to not believe him, but he just saw a square. He saw one fragment, and maybe he wanted to say more. I don't know. Um, the witness behind Keith said Keith was in front of me in lane number one, leaving, you know, leaving the light, and it was a half a block to the crosswalk. Keith pulled out in front of me, and he goes, I noticed exactly what this witness said. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard. The witness, who was 28, and his name was Ryan, he said, I saw your son. I noticed your son because he... He was a white kid like me, and there aren't many in the valley. And he's right. Like, we're, we're very much Hispanic in the valley, right? Right, right. And so I, I found that very funny. And he goes, your son had a bitchin' bike. It was, Keith's bike was neon, not neon, purpley blue and beautiful. Um, and it was a racer bike, like a, they call it a crash rocket. It wasn't a Harley or anything, right? It was one of those right, right. other, a Yamaha um, R600 thing. And it was all shiny. And he goes, your son hauled ass away from the light. And he said that. And he goes, he, I wouldn't say he was going, you know, I would say he went at about 50 miles an hour. And this guy was in an old pickup. So he said, I came up, you know, I'm not going to take off as fast as your son's bike. And then he said, your son made the lane change at the, I could see he did that. And he goes, and then I looked down and suddenly your son was having the accident. This guy was the first guy to Keith's body. And then the Hispanic bug truck was right beside him was the second guy. And he said he didn't run as quickly because he was older. That's how he put it. He didn't talk to that guy. He went to try to tell Keith he, this guy was not CPR trained and was afraid to touch him. And then he saw Melody come out and he just, you know, kept talking to Keith and hoping that he would be okay. Right, and he said right. when the, when the par paramedic fire department got there, he, he left. And he said he was looking for someone to give a statement and no one was there. And then his mother happened to be a police dispatch in Burbank, just recently retired and told him you have to call it in. So he did. Uh. And then he contacted me personally. He told the police 
please have, give my number to the parents, the family. I would like to talk to them to maybe tell them that I was with him when he hit the ground, you know, yes, which yes. would have been, I would have been grateful for that day because I was beside myself. It took two months for him to call me when he saw my sign when he went back to the weed shop is when he told me. It was the funniest. You couldn't make like a Cheech and Chong movie anymore. Like right, I- right. ironic. Um, but his information was very good because I can piece together. So I need everybody's help, you know, to piece yes. it together. So kind of thing. Uh, where are you right now, Sloan, in, in terms of what has happened? Are, have you have you grieved? Are you, uh, are you still numb? Where, where are you at here? Well, I'm still probably numb. I mean, it blows my mind that that, that beautiful child is um, six foot four, beautiful, exercising every day, walking with his crystals, burying them in the park, meditating, my beautiful child, you know, um, who I was hoping to know. The thing that, that to answer your question, yes, I grieve, but I do so privately. Um, and I've been through this before. When he was born, his half-brother died. So... Um, of a drug overdose. It's not something I'm not familiar with. My whole life, uh, adult life, has been around around this. But I would say that Keith's death has given me the freedom to see the world differently. So I'm very grateful for that um, in a different way. I now have a different kind of relationship with my son. Um, I have a relationship on the other side, like I had with my father. I didn't speak to my father for about once in 30 years, maybe. And when he passed, I had more of a relationship with him. Keith comes through differently than my dad did. My dad was in my face, so I knew he was there. Keith is a bit different, but he comes through um, to my friend Deanna very strongly, okay, very strongly. And she's dead on accurate with things she couldn't possibly know. She didn't see Keithy since he was probably eight years old um, because she moved away, came back. And then three or four years ago, we got in touch, but Keith was 21 or whatever, 20. So when she was at the house, really only Jason was there. So a couple of times she came over and then, you know, then I moved out. Right. So um, she's been at my house, not around my kids. So to speak, I wish in my heart, I'd had the patience to, um, I wish I hadn't have waited for Keith to forgive me for leaving and, and stop being angry there was kind of in my opinion apparent alienation thing going on in my in my home that i was unaware of um between the parents that would be me and the keith father so my boys were under the impression that i was the problem all the way along and i was told by my counselors you just need to give your son a chance to not be angry he was angry at me because i moved out he can see things differently now so i'm not really worried about that but i was kind of giving him space. I called him. I texted him not as much as I should have. I dropped food off. I bought blankets for him, whatever he needed. I tried to show up and, you know, give him that, whatever. So I, he wouldn't forget me. Right. Right. Tried to be nice to his father, um, you know, bring him things and basically still take care of without, so that I wouldn't be seen as a bad person. I was trying to like, I guess for better words, buy their love so they wouldn't be mad at me. So that kind of breaks my heart. However, Keithy did come with me on the day I moved. Um, you know, he made the last load of stuff up there with my friend Johnny. He knows Johnny because Johnny redid our house down there. I redid the house before I left, by the way. Hmm. Um, I'm like the house remodeler refairy person. <laughs> I moved out. <laughs> so they were had a nice house with wood floors, brand new appliances and everything. I tried to alleviate my own guilt. This, this is a problem. Um, 
this is a problem being, you know, you have to, I had to get very clear on that. So I tried to follow the counselor's advice. I went straight into therapy two times a week, two different kinds of therapy to deal with the looting of the marriage and to understand what was going on, the dynamic, because I was just reactionary as opposed to not. But my Keith came by and just before he died, he came by and fixed my um, bedroom uh, mirrors. They, they were off the hinge, right? And then we decided they were broken. So we took them out to the garbage and then put up like curtains on there just so we could deal with it because they were right off. The, they kept falling off the track and onto the bed and this, that and the other. Anyway, Keith did that. And the last text I texted to him was, I need help with my printer. Well, Jason's more that kind of guy, but Jason wouldn't come up. Um, so I said to Keithy, it's you, you got to help me. And he said, yeah, yeah, I got a life, mom. I got a life. Now that's the last conversation. Um, I would call him on my YouTube lives and put him on live stream through the voice. And he would say, mom, I'll be right there. But he, I knew he wasn't coming. Mom would laugh about it. You know, right. he was, I knew he was with his friends. He was at the gym. He was exercising, whatever he was doing. And he had girls and things like this. And so, yeah, it was very interesting. That's my one regret. But I was also in the process of changing my life. And so you, you know, I stayed with him till he was 24 years old. I stayed in the house till he was 24. Right. Right. Um, how, how know, are, my, how is Jason and, and, uh, John, uh, John. dad. Yeah. He's yeah. dad. Jason has completely self-destructed. Jason has self-destructed his brother. Um, I'm very worried about him. Um, he is, taking on guilt that isn't his because he kept telling his brother. He even said, you know, I'll drive you out there. I'll drive you out there. Don't go there. Come to my guy. Um, Jason was getting it psychically, but not, not hooking in. We were not supposed to know about that. Like we were getting it, but not. And Jason, so when Jason saw it, I knew it, it basically was like throwing a brick at his head and shattering his brain. I, I could see that. Um, and he was okay after a little bit he's gone crazy now so to speak he's very depressed and grief-stricken and won't take help from me so I, I i mean all i can do is call and text at least he answers my call so i can gauge his mental health so to speak at that time but um yeah he's pushed everybody away john is dealing with it it's his second son um full blood son i mean with the different the, the my stepson was the first one his this son is our son together. Um, and so, you know, it's hard because uh, he has to deal, Jason, you know, whatever, he has to deal closer with Jason. They, they won't accept my help, but part of that is the alienation that went on. So I, I'm at a loss, um, a lack of control. So truthfully, I've gone into heavy prayer is all I can do. What else can I do? Right. I right. cannot do anything else because if he won't accept my help, I can't. Um, I can't do it. You know, he was working for the studios that were doing shows and he was better on those days when he had something to focus on. So he knows he had to get up at five. He knew he had to be down there. He had to do show day, you know, set up everything. That's good for him. So, um, you know, I didn't, I feel more normal. Like this is more normal. My life, my son's past, I get it. But I'm also focused on finding out what happened because it's unacceptable to me that he just ran. If you saw it, and I did do a video on YouTube, you know, that, that, and I showed the road and I showed where it happened and I showed everything. So I know he didn't just arbitrarily out of inexperience drive off the road. Um, he was launched off the road, hit, tapped, 
Um, I, I hired a forensic photographer myself. I shouldn't have even had to been thinking of this, but because the coroner does not give up photos for people that don't know. Um, so I hired a forensic photographer. There's one of three in the whole state. Luckily, one of them lived in Glendale. So I sent her in. You can't do it in the coroner's office unless it's ordered by the police. So it's, you know, pretty hard. So I had the body taken to a crematorium. And I had her go in there so I could log the accidents. I have them. I have never looked at it, but I have it for any kind of, you know, to give to my lawyers. I got two copies. For people asking, that's like a $3,000 cost to a family to do out of pocket. No one's covering that. Nothing. You you mean you had uh, pictures taken of Keith uh, in order Mm -hmm. to perhaps piece together what happened? Yep. Oh, yeah. I had to. Yep. Because... The coroner writes one thing, and let me just tell you this. The coroner report says my son was five foot nine, so I called her. She's a nice little girl, actually. She's probably only 35. Her name's Amy. I called her, and she said, yeah, we measure around the body, but due to your son's injuries, because the hip was partially taken off, the leg was taken off, that's going to shrink the body. So he was six foot four, and for those of you riding motorbikes, you think good and hard about it. He bought that new bike at the end of May. And July 29th, exactly, May, June, July, two months later and a day, he's dead with a body that's destroyed. This is a beautiful six-foot-four, blue-eyed, Aryan, you know, German, Nordic boy. He looked like beautiful, just beautiful child. Um, Should have been a model, beautiful, in my opinion, on his mother. Um, (laughs) Gorgeous child, Um, you know. Really, really, so whatever you are and proud of your body and going to the gym and your tattoos, he didn't have tattoos, but I know all those kids ride the motorbike. They need to think very carefully about that because it's different. If a car taps you in a car, you will probably just run off the road. You can survive. There's no way that kid would have survived. His neck was hyperextended. His intestines were, I assume, caught on the mailbox because it came out through the back. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm being graphic now. See, this is my problem. I'm so graphic with it. It doesn't, it's like I'm talking about cereal. I can't, I can't attach to it. But, but reading it and speaking about it is very helpful because if any of your listeners have kids riding motorbikes, it's not a joke. You're not smart enough to stop an accident. And to give you an example, the day after Keith died, Jason was riding his motorbike home from the gym, Magnolia in Burbank, stopped at a light with your feet on the ground. Some car rode over his foot and wouldn't get off it and didn't see him because they were old and right and wearing masks in the car. I'm not joking. I was in the emergency room the day after one died with the second one and he's, and his foot was completely twisted, not broken, but still is a problem for him. Oh Lord. And the car never stopped. The car never mm. stopped. The car behind stopped and tried to catch the car, and they were gone. But she tried to help Jason, and I was like, what the hell? So, now I will tell you astrologically, um, 12 years ago, 12, maybe 15 years ago, Timothy, an astrologer friend of mine, looked at my chart. We were trading readings. Looks at my chart and says, um, you have a death of a kid, child, didn't say son, child coming. He actually told you that. Straight out of his mouth. Um, I remember calling my husband and saying, Timothy, because we we would um, get these calendar books from Timothy, so he knew who Timothy was. I said, I was talking about your business, and he suddenly blurts out that I'm going to have a child die. He didn't say son, one of your children. 
And so John goes, call him back, see if it's Jimmy, meaning my stepson. So I call him back and I said, are you sure you're not talking about my stepson? That happened in 96. And he says, no, I'm talking about your biological child straight out of your body. That's what he said. Anyway, Timothy passed away. He was much older, passed away. And so on the day that Keith died, I texted one of my astrologer friends who was at an event and they said, you know, remember that guy who said this, my astrologer friend, can you pull up my chart? And I can't even focus on it, but I want to know, do you know within one degree on my chart, it showed the death of a child? Pluto motor vehicle. I had a Pluto Mars opposition in my house with children opposing Mars in my 11th house and he died. Oh, That's dear. exactly what happened. And I mean, but I'm saying astrology doesn't lie. Like I wasn't looking for it really at this time. I don't look at my own chart. So, but it was interesting. So astrology is an interesting concept too. So it showed. So I have to assume he took the window out. Yeah, the doorway out. Oh, the slowing up. What all I can offer you are prayers, which may not seem like much, but mm. it's a lot. Oh, God, dear. I took up. I took up so much time. Don't don't feel bad. We all die. I mean, you, I do feel bad. It's the worst thing. I love that kid, and I wanted to know him as a man, and I wanted. To, he used to joke with me and said, "I'm not going to let you babysit <laughs> babysit my kids. You're not going to be friends with my wife because he knows how." I have so much fun with my granddaughter, you know. And I'm, right. always, I'm always like, can I babysit? Can I babysit? He's like, when he'd get mad at me, he's like, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, and then he would laugh. Um, I said, that's what I'm here to do. I wanted to know that part of my son, but it, it's not what God planned. And we all die. So I try to look at it from that perspective, from the perspective that I will be there soon because I'm in my 50s. So I'm not going to live to be 100, I hope. Uh, <laughs> not my wish. But we all die. So where we go, we go where they go. He's just an adventurer. He's a Sagittarius. He went ahead of me. That's all. He took the adventure before I could. That's how I'm choosing to look at it at this point. I think that's. Or, I think that's a good yeah. way of looking at it. Yeah, that's what I think. Oh dear. So, yeah. uh, Sloan, um, you're uh, in the meantime. You're dealing with all of this, mm -hmm. and you're you're still on YouTube and producing <laughs> videos. How do mm -hmm. people? How do people follow you on YouTube? Oh, they follow me. You know, my YouTube followers are so lovely. Um, they've offered help, PIs, forensic people. I mean, you have no idea the people that watch YouTube that have, that can help you. We And just let me mention this. They follow me under Sloan Bella on YouTube. Thank you for asking. Um, I will be doing an episode on one of my YouTuber followers. Her name is Jackie, and her daughter... 28, I believe, Angie, um, she came to me through a reading, but the police, she's in a different state, said her daughter did a self-inflicted gunshot wound. I've just looked at the autopsy pictures. I channeled the daughter. That's not what happened. So we're going to do a whole thing on that daughter to hopefully get that opened up. And a lot of my lovely YouTuber followers have gone forward. They're in forensic medical professions and have gone forward, looked at the pictures and are offering Jackie help. So these this community is the most amazing, amazing community. They come in it at a psychic way, but Jackie came to me to find out because she's so distraught over her daughter. This happened three years ago for her, her beautiful little daughter, and she's wanted to believe in life after death, obviously. And as a result of that, her daughter, yeah, this sounds really weird, her daughter's been coming through to my psychic friend randomly, separate, with Keith. So Keith is, it's very strange. Like that girl said, I have two, two of you, two of them, 
started describing that girl to me, and I'm like, wait, that's my person on the YouTube. So it's very strange. They will come through in ways. So it's a very interesting puzzle. So my YouTube is Sloan Bella, and these people on my YouTube, these wonderful people, they're so... Um, I, I got beautiful paintings, beautiful paintings of Keith on my YouTube, like that they can paint and send me. I'm in tears half the time during the day when I open these things, just the generosity of people's hearts. Isn't and that if wonderful? You think it doesn't, yeah, if you think it doesn't help, it does, because they they care and they don't know me and they don't know you, but they pray. They stopped and prayed around my son. The monk lady from the little monk lady that's all i could tell you like five feet tall shaved head little monk lady she heard the accident the police wouldn't let her near the body she got on her knees and started chanting right there went inside and had six of them chanting inside their little buddhist temple for my son you know like, how wonderful that yeah. is lovely i'm not buddhist per se or anything per se i'm anything and everything but people got out of their cars and they formed a circle around my son and prayed. There were several people that, that found me, found my number from the signs, wanted to tell me that, that Keith was yeah. taken care of. He was not alone. So he, yeah. No, he wasn't. And that that actually is all you can ask for. What else can you ask for? It yes. wasn't me, but he didn't want me to see that, obviously, or I would have been driving with him or something. You know, he didn't want George to see it. That's why George got caught at the light before. Yes. That's what happened, you know. He didn't want it. He chose, and he chose the way he did. So I'm grateful for those that stepped in for, for us. It's been actually, I will say this, it's been an extension um, of the beauty of the human being on the planet, not the bad stuff that we deal with. So that, my son was able to teach me that through his death. So that, to me, was extremely important because I can go down the other roads, you know. So yes. he taught me the beauty of that, even though I don't have him, but he's with God. So who am I to have him? I had my chance with him and I will see him again because we all go somewhere. So wherever we go, you and I will both be there one day. Right? Absolutely. Sloan, I, I wish you peace and, um, uh, thank I'm you. sending yes, my, thank my you prayers. Thank you for letting me talk about Keith. <laughs> I hope that, well, I hope that was helpful. Yeah. yeah. It's always helpful. Thank you for listening to it. Yeah. It's very helpful, Richard. And for people, keep an eye out. Maybe some of your viewers live in the area and can keep an eye out. You know what I mean? Yes, and they can contact you through the website, sloanbella.com. Absolutely, yes. yes. Okay. YouTube has it on there, too. Absolutely. How are your beautiful boys, by the way? Oh, thank God. They're they're wonderful. Thank you for asking. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're well. They're well. Yes. And I will Excellent. be uh, hugging them even harder tonight as Please I say goodnight. Please do, yeah. Yeah. Please do, because you never know, well, nothing's going to happen to you, but you just don't know. And when they're growing, you think you're safe, but you just don't know. So it's always good to live in the moment. This is what I learned, too. Live in the moment. Very true. Sloan, all the best. My prayer is with you and your family. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs... I'll be back in a few moments to tell you a little bit about the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. What can I say about ESS-60 I haven't already said? It's a miracle in a bottle. ESS-60 is pure carbon-60. And carbon-60 is a miracle molecule that earned its discoverers a Nobel Prize in chemistry. 
I've been taking a tablespoon of ESS60 for my friends at C60 Evo every morning for nearly a year. What a difference it's made in my life. It delivers better health, mental clarity, and immune support. I'm pain-free, energized, and I'm sleeping better than I have in decades. ESS60 from C60 Evo is a powerful antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. It's a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that really works. And now you can experience C60 Evo's new Advanced Facial Serum, the groundbreaking new anti-aging formula that incorporates ESS60, plus 21 organic, natural, and vegan ingredients. This luxuriant formulation is specifically blended to soften and heal your skin. Put it on at night, enjoy the subtle rosemary essence, and awaken to noticeably softer skin. To get your ESS60 and C60's new advanced facial serum, go to episode notes for this podcast and click on the C60 Evo link. And don't forget to use the code RS1SPEC, RS1SPEC, for 5% off. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, JFK assassination researcher, media scientist Nelson Thal describes how he smuggled the Zapruder film into Canada. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>